Section 25 of France in the 19th Century. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. France in the 19th Century by Elizabeth Latimer. Chapter 15. The Commune. Part 1. The story of the Commune is piteous, disheartening, shameful, and terrible. It seems as if during three months of 1871, quote, human nature, as Carlyle says of it in his French Revolution, had thrown off all formulas and come out human. End quote. It is the story of those whom the French call quote, the people, we the mob, or the populace, end quote, let loose upon society, and society in its turn mercilessly avenging itself for its wrongs. By March 12, 1871, the Prussian soldiers had quitted the environs of Paris and were in full march for their homes. Two of the detached forts, however, remained eighteen months longer in their hands. On March 20 the National Assembly was to begin its session at Versailles. The provinces were very mistrustful of Paris, and the assembling of the deputies at Versailles was of itself a proof of the want of national confidence in the Parisians. When it was made known that the German army was to enter Paris, the National Guard of Belleville and Montmartre stole cannon from the fortifications, and placed them in position in their own quarter on the heights, so that they could fire into the city. On March 18, General Vinois, who had succeeded Trochu as military commander of Paris, demanded that these cannons should be given back to the city. Many of them had been purchased by subscription during the siege, but they were not the property of the men of Belleville and Montmartre, but of the whole National Guard. A regiment of the line was ordered to take possession of them, and they did so. But immediately after, the soldiers fraternized with the National Guard of Belleville, and surrendered their prize. An officer of Chasseurs had been killed, and General Lecomte twice ordered his men to fire on the insurgents. They refused to obey him. Quote, General Lecomte is right, said a gentleman who was standing in a crowd of angry men at a street corner near the scene of action. He was seized at once, and was soon recognized as General Clément Thomas, formerly commander of the National Guard of Paris. He had done gallant service during the siege, but that consideration had no weight with the insurgents. General Lecomte had been already arrested. Quote, we will put you with him, cried the mob, you who dare to speak in defence of such a scoundrel. End quote. Both the unfortunate generals were immediately imprisoned. At four p.m. they were brought forth by about one hundred insurgent national guards. Lecomte's hands were tied, those of General Thomas were free. They were marched to an empty house, where a mock trial took place. No rescue was attempted, though soldiers of the line stood by. The two prisoners were then conducted to a walled enclosure at the end of the street. As soon as the party halted, an officer of the National Guard seized General Thomas by the collar and shook him violently, holding a revolver to his head and crying out, quote, Confess that you have betrayed the public. The general shrugged his shoulders. The officer retired. The report of twenty muskets rent the air, and General Thomas fell face downward. They ordered Lecomte to step over his body and to take his place against the wall. Another report succeeded, and the butchery was over. By evening the National Guard had taken possession of the Hôtel de Ville, and the outer boulevards were crowded by men shouting that they had made a revolution. On this day the insurgents assumed the name of Fédérés, or Federals, denoting their project of converting the communistic cities of France into a federal republic. In vain the government put forth proclamations calling on all good citizens, and on the old National Guard, to put down insurrection and maintain order in the Republic. The old battalions of the National Guard, about twenty thousand strong, had been composed chiefly of tradesmen and gentlemen. 
these as soon as the siege was over had for the most part left the city bismarck's proposition to jules favre had been to leave the old national guard its arms that it might preserve order but to take advantage of the occasion to disarm the new battalions as we have seen all were permitted to retain their arms but the chancellor told jules favre he would live to repent having obtained the concession the friends of order in spite of the government's proclamations could with difficulty be roused to action there were two parties in paris the passive and the active and the latter party increased in strength from day to day indeed it was hard for peaceful citizens to know under whom they were to range themselves the government had left the city one or two of its members were still in paris but the rest had rushed off to versailles protected by an army forty thousand strong under general vinois a species of government had however formed itself by the morning of march nineteenth at the hotel de ville it called itself the central committee of the national guard and issued proclamations on white paper white paper being reserved in paris for proclamations of the government it called upon all citizens in their sections at once to elect a commune this proclamation was signed by twenty citizens only one of whom m assis had ever been heard of in paris some months before he had headed a strike killed a policeman and had been condemned to the galleys for murder the men who thus constituted themselves a government were all members of the international that secret association formed in all countries for the abolition of property and patriotism religion and the family rulers armies upper classes and every species of refinement another proclamation decreed that the people of paris whether it pleased them or not must on wednesday march twenty two elect a commune in a former chapter i have tried to explain the nature of a commune victor hugo wrote his opinion of it when the idea of a commune was first started after the fall of louis philippe in eighteen forty eight his words read like a prophecy Quote, it would tear down the tricolore and set up the red flag of destruction it would make penny pieces out of the column of the place vendome it would hurl down the statue of napoleon and set up that of marat in its place it would suppress the academie the école polytechnique and the legion of honour to the grand motto of liberty equality and fraternity it would add the words or death it would bring about a general bankruptcy it would ruin the rich without enriching the poor it would destroy labour which gives each of us his bread it would abolish property and break up the family it would march about with the heads of the proscribed on pikes fill the prisons with the suspected and empty them by massacre it would convert france into a country of gloom it would destroy liberty stifle the arts silence thought and deny god it would supply work for two things fatal to prosperity the press that prints assignat and the guillotine in a word it would do in cold blood what the men of seventeen ninety three did in the ravings of fever and after the great horrors which our fathers saw we should have the horrible in every form that is low and base the party of the commune has been divided into three classes the rascals the dupes and the enthusiasts the latter in the last hours of the commune which lasted seventy-three days put forth in a manifesto their theory of government to wit that every city in france should have absolute power to govern itself should levy its own taxes make its own laws provide its own soldiers see to its own schools elect its own judges and make within its corporate limits whatever changes of government it pleased these communistic cities were to be federated into a republic it was not clear how those frenchmen were to be governed who did not live in cities possibly each city was to have territory attached to it as in italy in the middle ages 
the weather during march of the year eighteen seventy one was very fine and fine weather is always favourable to disturbances and revolutions the very few men of note still left in paris desirous of putting an end to disorder without the shedding of blood proposed to go out to versailles and negotiate with m thiers the provisional president and the members of his government they were the twelve deputies of the department of the seine in which paris is situated headed by louis blanc and the maire with their assistance from the twenty arrondissements they proposed to urge on the government of versailles the policy of giving the parisians the right to elect when in england would be called a lord mayor and likewise a city council also to give the national guard the right to elect its officers this deputation went out to versailles on the twentieth of march two days before the proposed election for members of a commune on the twenty-first while all paris was awaiting anxiously the outcome of the mission there was a great order demonstration in the streets and hopes of peace and concord were exchanged on all sides the next day the order demonstration which had seemed so popular was repeated when a massacre took place on the place vendome and the rue de la paix nurses children and other quiet spectators were killed as also old gentlemen and reporters for the newspapers one of the victims was a partner in the great banking-house of Ottinguet, well known to american travellers the most popular man at that moment in paris seemed to be admiral saizet who had commanded the brigade of sailors which did good service in the siege he went out to versailles to unite his efforts to those of the maire and the deputies in favour of giving paris municipal rights but m thiers and his ministers were firm in their refusal when this was known in paris great was the fury and indignation of the people in vain had louis blanc entreated the assembly at versailles to approve conciliatory measures and when that body utterly refused to make terms with the parisian mob m clemenceau said as he quitted their chamber quote, may the responsibility for what may happen rest upon your heads the mission to versailles having been productive of no results the election for a commune was held the extremist men were chosen in every quarter of the city and formed what was called the council of the commune it held its sittings in the hotel de ville and consisted at first of eighty members seventy of whom had never been heard of in paris before its numbers dwindled rapidly from various causes especially in the latter days of the commune among them were poles italians and even germans two of the eighty claimed to be americans the first act of the council of the commune was to take possession of the hotel de ville and to celebrate the inauguration of the new government by a brilliant banquet its first decree was that no tenant need pay any back rent from october eighteen seventy to april eighteen seventy one the time during which the siege had lasted it lost no time in inviting garibaldi to assume the command of the national guard this garibaldi declined at once saying that a commandment of the national guard a commander-in-chief of paris and an executive committee could not act together Quote, what paris needs he said is an honest dictator who will choose honest men to act under him if you should have the good fortune to find a washington france will recover from shipwreck and in a short time be grander than ever on april three the civil war broke out paris against versailles the army under the national assembly against the national guard under the commune the prussians from the two forts which they still held looked grimly on at the bridge of courbevoie near neuilly where the body of napoleon had been landed thirty years before a flag of truce was met by two national guards its bearer was a distinguished surgeon dr pasquier after a brief parley one of the national guards blew out the doctor's brains when news of this outrage was brought to general vinois he commanded the guns of fort valerien to be turned upon the city at five a m the next morning 
five columns of federals marched out to take the fort they were under the command of three generals bergeret duval and eudes with bergeret rode lullier who had been a naval officer and florence the popular favorite among the members of the commune the three divisions marched in full confidence that the soldiers under vinoy would fraternize with them they were wholly mistaken the guns of fort valerien crashed into the midst of their columns and almost at the same time florence in a hand-to-hand -hand struggle was slain florence had begun life with every prospect of being a distinguished scientist his father had been perpetual secretary of the academy of sciences and a professor in the college de france in which his son succeeded him when he was barely twenty-one his first lecture on the history of man created a great impression but in eighteen sixty four he resigned his professorship and thenceforward devoted all his energies to the cause of the oppressed in crete he fought against the turks he was always conspiring when at home in paris even when the prussians were at its gates he could not refrain he was the darling of the belleville population whom in times of distress and trial he fed clothed and comforted sometimes he was in prison sometimes in exile Quote, he was a madman but a hero and towards the poor and the afflicted as gentle as a sister of charity said one who knew him of the three generals who had led the attack on mont valerien duval was captured and shot eudes and bergeret got back to paris in safety but the latter in company with lullier was at once sent to prison by the central committee and a decree was issued that paris should be covered with barricades as the insurgents had plenty of leisure these barricades were strong and symmetrical though many of them were injudiciously placed whilst the fight of the fourth of april was going on without the gates the central committee was occupied in issuing decrees by which thiers favre simon in short all the legitimate ministers were summoned to give themselves up to the commune to be tried for their offences or else all their property in paris would be confiscated or destroyed the failure of the expedition under bergeret made the parisians furiously angry in less than a week some of the best-known priests in paris were arrested as hostages the churches were all closed after the morning services on easter day the arms were cut off from the crosses and red flags were hung up in their stead no one could be buried with christian decency or married with the church's blessing Quote, the motto of the commune soon became fraternity of that sort said a resident in paris which means arrest each other before the commune had been established two weeks Many of its leading members, besides Lullier and Bergeret, had found their way to prison. A personage who rose to great importance at this period was General Cluseret. He called himself an American, but he had had many aliases, and it is not known in what country he was born. At one time he had been a captain in the Chasseurs d'Afrique, but was convicted of dishonesty in the purchase of horses, and dismissed from the army. Then he came to the United States, and entered the service of the Union, by which he became a naturalized citizen he got into trouble however over a flock of sheep which mysteriously disappeared while he had charge of them next he enlisted in the papal zouave after the commune he escaped from paris and the finians chose him for their general in their service he came very near capturing chester castle the finians however soon accused him of being a traitor again he escaped fearing a secret dagger and was thought to have found refuge in a religious community subsequently he served the turks and lastly, during the presidency of M. Grévy, at a time of great dissatisfaction in France, he was elected a deputy from one of the southern cities. By April 7, Cluseret had, as someone expresses it, quote, swallowed up the commune, end quote. He became for three weeks absolute dictator, after which time he found himself in prison at Mazas, occupying the very cell to which he had sent Bergeret. 
Cluseret was a soldier of experience, but Bergeret had been a bookseller's assistant, and his highest military rank had been that of a sergeant in the National Guard. He could not ride on horseback, and he drove out from Paris to the fight in which Florent was killed. The official title of Cluseret and others, who were heads of the war office during the Commune, was War Delegate, the committee refusing to recognize the usual title of Minister of War. Probably the best general the Commune had was a Pole named Dombrowski, an adventurer who came into France with Garibaldi. He was not only a good strategist, but a daredevil for intrepidity. Some said he had fought for Polish liberty, others that he had fought against it. At any rate, he was an advanced anarchist, though in military matters he was a strict disciplinarian, and kept his men of all nations in better order than any other commander. When, after the first attack of the communist forces on those of the Versailles government, the guns of Fort Valérien opened on Paris, the second bombardment began. It was far more destructive than that of the Prussians, the guns from the forts being so much nearer to the centre of the city. The shells of the Versaillais fell on friend and foe alike, on women and on children, on homes, on churches, and on public buildings. Three shots struck the Arch of Triumph, which the Prussians had spared. Such scenes as the following one, related by an American, might be seen daily. Quote, Two National Guards passed me, bearing a litter between them. "'Oh, you can look if you like,' cried one. So I drew back the checked curtain. On a mattress was stretched a woman decently dressed, with a child of two or three years lying on her breast. They both looked very pale. One of the woman's arms was hanging down. Her hand had been carried away. "'Where are they wounded?' I asked. "'Wounded? They are dead,' was the reply. "'They are the wife and child of the velocipede-maker in the Avenue de Vagramme. If you will go and break the news to him, you will do us a kindness." The velocipede-maker may have been, probably was, a good peaceable citizen, with no sympathy for disorder or anarchy. But doubtless from the moment that news was broken to him, he became a furious communist. By order of General Cluseret, every man in Paris was to be forced to bear arms for the Commune. His neighbors were expected to see that he did so, and to arrest him at once if he seemed anxious to decline. Quote, Thus every man walking along the street was liable to have the first federal who passed him seize him by the collar and say, Come along, and be killed on behalf of my municipal independence. It would be hardly possible to follow the details of the fighting, the arrests, the bombardment, or even the changes that took place among those high in office in the Council of the Commune during the seventy-three days that its power lasted. The state of things in Paris will be best exhibited by detached sketches of what individuals saw and experienced during those dreadful days. End of section 25